You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hi there, I'm Jen Duplessis. Welcome back to this episode. I have a very fun episode planned for us. I'm sure it's going to go in that way because I had this wonderful pleasure of meeting our next guest, Laura D. Benedetto. I don't even remember how we met, but I have had this wonderful pleasure of meeting her. And just like that, we have just had so much fun together. And, you know, she's already proven herself to be someone I can lean on in times of difficulty. So, I am just delighted to have Laura with us today. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so pumped to spend this time with you. This is going to be great. We're going to have some fun. So let me tell you all a little bit about Laura so that we can get into the goodies, right into the good stuff. She helps successful people to realize their dreams and find lasting happiness. And she believes that the solution always starts in the same way. And this is one of the things that we're really going to dig into today by addressing the relationship we have with ourselves. She is a TEDx speaker and number one bestselling author of The Six Habits, which we're going to talk about today, and Life Mastery Coach, which is so cool because everything I do is lifestyle business mastery. Laura teaches how to create the life of your dreams without sacrificing what we love. As the founder and CEO of Vision Advertising, a company that she built at age 19, she has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs build and grow profitable enterprises entirely on their terms. And I'm sure she's going to be humble to say it, but she has sold the company for a gob of money. And she now lives in Hawaii. She's originally from the wicked Northeast. Of <laughs> right? Everything's wicked. And I used to live there, you know, for almost a year. And I was like, oh, that's wickedly great. It's wicked. Oh, that's so wicked. So I get it. I totally get it. But she's got an unbelievable story. And, you know, to be able to retire at the age of 37 is pretty awesome. So listen in because we're going to talk about these six habits. But what we're specifically going to talk about is how these habits and the relationship that you have with yourself might prevent you from making transitions and breaking through ceilings, right? The, all these ceilings that we talk about on this show. So Laura, I am so excited for us to kind of dig in, but I want you to start with what was a tipping point for you that had you start thinking about why do I need to create these six habits? You know, what kept popping up all the time? And you said, you know, I've got to get this message out because we know sometimes our mess is our message. What happened in your life that sparked all of this? Well, <laughs> it was achieving the goal, right? Mm -hmm. And getting to the finish line with all the toys, the fancy house, the money, the blah, blah, blah. It felt no better than an ordinary Wednesday. And I was like, ah, yeah, something's deeply wrong here. <laughs> so <laughs> what is going on? So of course, you know, being the tough person that always like, beat myself up and whatever. I was like, what did I do wrong? Blah, blah, blah. So I just, I wanted to feel better. So I went on this quest to figure out, okay, what do the happiest people have in common? Because 
clearly I'm not one of them. And I got all the stuff. I've got the resume. I've got the money. I've got all the, the things that society and culture tells you. Something's not adding up. And honestly, I was pretty pissed off about it and also remarkably burnt out. So being mm-hmm. tired, being grumpy, bleeding internally, and basically having your new marriage already in the toilet, those are all recipes for like, you need to do a quick pivot here. You're going to die. Like, I was, I was concerned about like my whole life falling apart and just being on flames, you know? So I didn't create the six habits. The six habits are actually, they are a truth as old as time. It just took me going through the seventh circle of hell and enough curiosity to actually figure out and look for them. So, I mean, I'm happy to tell you about like how I figured out where they are and actually assembled these things. But yeah, I'd love to take credit for inventing the six habits. (laughs) I just wrote the book. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think it's important too, because it's your story. It's, you know, your perspective of, you know, how to apply these to get massive success, you know, and And I think right now at the time of COVID, we have a lot of people that are in this quandrum and sort of meandering around, right? Of I don't really know where to go. It kind of reminds me of like, they always show those pictures of people coming off the Titanic, right? They come off the Titanic and they're kind of going, I don't know where I am. Am I here? Am I in this life? Am I not in this life, right? And there's a lot of that going around where even just in people's eyes, I can see, and I'm a big reader of people's faces. And, you know, that there's just this, everybody's lost right now. It really starts with themselves because they're, it's that self-talk that's happening with them that I'm not going to be good enough to make this transition. I don't like my job. I hate my job. I'm living in this misery. Or I don't like the way that my entrepreneurship is going. And I don't want to go back and work for the man. Could I go back and work for the man given this environment, right? So what are some things that we can start with? And we definitely can start with the six habits. And I want to go over some of them. But what is sort of the snap out of it that you advice that you could give to people to clear the slate? It's sort of like an Etch-a-Sketch, right? Like, let's shake the Etch-a-Sketch and get it back to (laughs) clearing it, right? Right. (laughs) We can draw something new. What are some things that, you know, knee-jerked you out or disrupted you to get you out so that you could then see clearly? I mean, I think any sort of transformation, no matter what it is, it, it always begins with an epiphany. An epiphany is just a great realization of truth, right? Like, yeah. oh, you may have always like kind of known that the sky is blue, but one day it really occurs to you, damn, that is really blue. Like right. at one point it like kind of hits you in the face. And in order to manufacture epiphanies, you know, you can't actually manufacture them you actually just have to start asking questions. It was no different for me. It was like, well, what do the happiest people among us have in common? Once I started realizing like, huh, I don't have those. That sucks. (laughs) You know, it was like, it was really like awakening. And when you have that awakening because you're seeing what's written on the wall, that's your invitation to just be like, oh, damn, right? So for me, I had a succession of epiphanies. One, something's horribly wrong. Like, I just retired and I really don't care. Like, come on, come on. I should have been proud of myself and high-fiving myself all day long. I wasn't, I didn't care. I was just like, screw the world. I just want to go to sleep. Right. That was a big trigger of like, that's not okay. Then trying to find out what happiness actually is and then realizing, no, it's actually not this whole like high chasing cycle that we put ourselves in that, you know, consumeristic America likes to reinforce, which is chase acquire, feel the high, feel the low, and repeat. That hamster wheel is not 
happiness is just chasing highs. You know, it's no different than being a drug addict. So that was a huge revelation. And then realizing where I stood and having a real raw moment with myself of like, oh, so this is where I actually am. That's the goal. And I actually can bridge that gap. It probably won't be that easy, but I can do this. And I'm, I'm sufficiently upset enough to actually do it. You, you've ever heard that phrase, like yeah. when the pain of staying put outweighs the pain of action, that's when you'll finally do something. Yeah. That's what yeah, it was. That's and that's exactly. what we all need. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that is why I, I asked the question the way I did is that, that there's this meandering and this lostness that really doesn't address pain. You just know that you're not in the right place and there's got to be a disruptor to kick you out of it, you know, so that you Questions. do want, yeah, so that you do want to have some type of change, you know, and it doesn't have to be a 180. It can just be a few degrees that down the road has a huge impact on what you're Absolutely. doing. So of the six habits, and I know we're going to talk, and let me just tell everybody what they are. They're kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, big one for me, goodness, and intention. But of those six habits, what is your favorite habit? What is the habit that, that you always seem to go back to and say, this is the habit that really was the kicker for me? The favorite one and the kicker were two different ones. Okay. So- the favorite one is the one that has brought the most joy to my life and the one that has been the most arguably difficult for me to master, but the most useful is entirely different. Which one do you want? I think the one that you're talking about is gratitude. But uh, I no, actually. Interesting. Okay. Um, I didn't accept myself. That was the one mm. that made the most difference in my life and helped me to change as a person. Like girl, I finally learned to love myself. I finally gave myself permission to not have as much money as my friends. I finally gave myself permission to just be 10 pounds overweight and have like, you know, cellulite and dimples in my butt. Like it just (laughs) is what it is. And laugh about it and be like, you know, we're all here in this crazy, you know, rock hurtling through space. Like, can we all just have a sense of humor about it? And being able to accept myself, which is unconditional love for me, from me. Oh my God. Like, the humor was brought back in. I stopped taking things so seriously. I stopped comparing myself. I finally just learned to truly love me and like stop, I guess, like falling victim to the, oh, I need to be this weight. I need to have this much money. I need to do this. I need to yada, yada, yada. I actually, the cycle I described a few minutes ago, that was the habit that kicked me out of that cycle forever. I don't have a fancy car. I don't need one because I'm great with it without it. That's it. And it's like, you know, I don't even live in a huge house. I don't need to. I don't want to clean it. So (laughs) accepting myself gave me liberty to choose my definition of joy and happiness, not go along with what culture and my dear mommy put in my head. Yeah. You know, and I think that, I mean, I get that because all of us fall victim to that. There's not a one, a single person who's even listening to this who can say, well, I've never felt that way. I've always felt good about myself. We all have things that we, especially I can tell you for me personally, I compare a lot. I compare myself a lot to people and I usually compare myself from a success standpoint and a money standpoint. I don't compare myself for a house. I probably had two new cars in my entire life. We've always bought used cars. And they always have thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles on them. I'm driving one now for two, that has 240,000 miles. But I'm blessed that my husband was a mechanic and he's a semi-pro drag racer. So he can fix all these things, right? But you would never know they have those miles. 
those like materialistic things weren't important. What has always been important is achieving success. And this comes from childhood for me, but achieving success and having money because I was comparing myself to my uncles who had millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, and they told me I couldn't have millions and millions. They told me I was Jenny who is not going to be without a penny, you know, Jenny who ain't got a penny and that I would be That's like my cute. dad. And yeah, I know, I know, but I, it's a gift. That's a that gift because that gift propelled me to prove otherwise. Right. And I got to the point where I said, you know, I have to stop proving and I have to start living. And my mom had said something, you know, she said, Jenny, you have, and by the way, she's the only one who can call me that. She said, you know, you have such a great quality of life. And I said, well, you know, that's keeping up with the Joneses. What I want is a life of quality. Aha. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly the point. Yes. Exactly. The, oh my God. Like that's exactly it. It's like, who cares what it looks like to other people? The right. reason why we chase other people's approval and having the fancy things, it's so they can see them, you know, yeah. either the house or the fancy resume or all yeah. the money. And I've had all of it. Right. Yeah. And Chasing you know, we dream. want those things and we want that approval from other people because yeah. we don't approve of ourselves. Yeah. So how does that affect someone's ability to take that first step? You know, that first step of saying, Hey, look, I, you know what? And we know about the imposter syndrome, right? We all have those days where we're like, I don't think I'm as good as I think I am. And the next day you're like, yes, I am this good, right? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you know, at least where we're at right now, what I'm seeing from entrepreneurs is just a fear of taking that first step, a fear, like there's so much doubt in themselves. And I, you know, there's the exterior, we call it inner and outer space, right? The outer space and the inner space that's happening. And there's such a fear of taking that next step, but there's so much joy on the other side if you just pursue it. And there's no such thing as failure. It's all about lessons, right? The more lessons you can have in life, the more you're going to be able to get ahead of life. So help us understand, again, I want to kind of go back to that question is, you know, if you are someone listening to this and you're not you and you've already experienced it, no, you can do it again. And they're just second guessing themselves on it's, is it possible for me? Is it possible for me to be successful in a new endeavor, whether that's a career change or whether that's going into entrepreneurship or whether that's retiring and going into philanthropy? What would you be saying to those people or to yourself to just snap yourself out of it and say, you've got to move forward? That's such a good question. And, you know, you read the book, and I think there's a really powerful point in there that I, I'm so excited to reiterate right here and now, you don't need to be special to do this. I am quite the opposite of special. And for some reason, I found happiness, joy, and all the material success I could want. And you know, I think people, we all do this. Like We think, oh, wow, look at that person with all their money and all their career accomplishments. They started a charity and they did, wow, I could never do that. Except they were born with the same toolbox as you were. You yeah. know? And it doesn't matter if you have money or you don't. It doesn't matter if you're married or you're not, if you're healthy or not healthy. Like it, it all comes down to what's inside of you. And just to throw myself under the bus and throw some tire tracks on my back, I have attention deficit disorder. Learning is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. It always has been. Focusing, yeah, right. That's really <laughs> difficult. Okay. It just complicates the heck out of everything. I was really not a good student. I did my best. Starting a business at 19 was, it's not because I'm so great. It's because I couldn't hold down a freaking job. Right? <laughs> so I had to make one I couldn't get fired from. Right. All right? That's an important distinction. Yeah. And, and it really is. And I think that is something to share with somebody too, you know, is that 
sometimes you fall into success. You know, it's not always that it's, it's on purpose and think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different things. Like I said, I, I declared bankruptcy. I'm also like a domestic abuse survivor. Yeah. And I also went through a lot of bullying and all this other stuff. And like, here's the thing. You can achieve success if you totally hate yourself. You absolutely can do it. I know because that was my journey. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt that. When you said that, I want you to say that again. You can achieve success if you totally hate yourself. Yeah. You can, it's, it's, but you're going to burn yourself down in the process. Right. I get it. But I mean, that's pretty powerful because it's, that is like the floodgate opening and saying, I can step through because I don't even have to even like myself at all. And I can yep. step through. I so don't recommend that path. No barrier. There's absolutely no barrier. Yeah. There really is no barrier. Like this is what I found. The woman I am at 39 is very different than the woman at 19. Those 20 years have been really important at proving a couple things. You can achieve a great deal of success if you hate yourself. You will succeed for the wrong reasons. The successes will not be as sweet and it will never be enough. So you will constantly be on a cycle of self-destruction and you will be trading your health and your sanity and everything that could potentially smell like joy for material stuff that doesn't matter. But yeah. This is what I figured out. When you actually decide that's no longer good enough, and this would be, you know, what you asked me a few minutes ago, like we just need to have this moment where we're like, wow, better is possible for me. And the journey will be messy, but I deserve to be on it. And be just give yourself permission to start the journey if you hate yourself. Just start it anyway. You're gonna suck. It's okay to suck. Like nobody ever says this to us in school. Like in school, it's like, oh, you better get an A plus. Uh, no, actually life doesn't work that way. You can get an F and still come out on top. So yeah. I'm, I'm a college dropout. Really? Like I really needed that degree. Okay. Like, you know, society wants to like encourage us to basically set ourselves on fire right. so we can be robots, stupid little mold. Gonna, yeah. We're all going to be like these little robots, you know, go to school, get a degree, get a job, save in a 401k, retire, and have all the great things that you have. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so I think we're all trying to measure to that one scale constantly instead of being individuals. Well, exactly. And you know what? Like our parents, they love us, right? And they want the best for us. So they buying into the idea of the American dream and all that other stuff, they kind of put this into our heads. You know, my parents, I routinely Mm -hmm. throw them under the bus, my poor parents. I love them. (laughs) You know, they're my parents. Like they wanted the best for me. So they're like, you got to go to college. You got to get a degree. You got to get a good job. No, your daughter is not built for that. Uh, Your daughter is actually built to be the boss and she needs entrepreneurial training. And what she needs is to not be condemned for not fitting into boxes. What she needs is education on how to build the boxes. But I didn't get it. I had to give it to myself. And it was a rotten, rotten journey inside. I mean, this is the thing that like I'm writing in my TED talk, which is still going through 85 revisions, but like, (laughs) it's this crazy thing where like you go on this journey, you do all these things because you think they're going to make you happy. Right. And you try to live in this idealized version, except at some point something breaks and you realize there's a cycle here. I'm just chasing highs. I'm not actually happy. Like, right. I have so many designer handbags. Guess how happy they make me. Yeah. Zero. It was awesome for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny, I've gotten to a point in my life and I was just talking to my neighbor about this as well, you know, and I'm on 21 acres. So my neighbor is, 
you know, 35 acres away <laughs> from me. Yeah, it's pretty funny, but we were talking about it, you know, how buying her fetish's shoes, mine is handbags or was handbags, right? So I have all these handbags, a black one for this and that and this and that and that, and like all the blacks that we have, this size, that size, gray, I mean, not gray, but uh, gold, silver, you know, matching, like all this stuff. Fully relate. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you totally can. <laughs> and I know women can, and I know men who are listening to this can relate that their women have done that. But now when I see them, I get anxiety. Why did mm. I spend so much money on something that means so little? What a yeah. Well, it's a, when you actually look at those things and you survey them, it's a bit of a mirror and it's you seeing yourself and your insecurity on full display. So when yeah. I moved to Hawaii, I happened to be listening to Marie Kondo's book, you know, the, whatever the method is, right? I don't remember the title of it, but like I was going through it. It's like, does this give me joy? Nope. Out you go. And you know what? I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway, because it's interesting. I had two large full walk-in closets full of nothing but my clothes, my shoes, my accessories. I had somewhere in the neighborhood of like 35 handbags. I probably had well over 200 pairs of heels and whatever. And I remember watching Paris Hilton one time be like, oh, I've never photographed in the same thing twice. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be her. That was such a bad idea. I had every season, every color, every this, every that. Cause I just, I, you know, and then when I was going through all this stuff, I was like, God damn, was I an insecure woman. Right. Oh my God, look at all of the physical proof of how much I didn't love me. And also, I hate these freaking pants. I only wore them so the people in the boardroom would take me seriously. I hate them. Make my ass look flat. (laughs) That is hilarious. But no, it's so true. I know we're talking about women here, but men have the same thing. It's a collection of cars. It's a collection of hats. It's a collection of cigars. It's a collection of golf clubs. It's, you know, it's suits, it's all watches, right? It's all the same kind of thing. It is all the same kind of thing. And we have to really take the time to sit back and really think about who we are. Okay. So we're not going to beat up that. We're going to continue to beat that up, I'm sure. But, but, (laughs) you know, I mean, the bottom line here, I think is, you know, love you, just love you for who you are. And if you don't love yourself right now, screw it and just go through the door and get started on on a path that you can. So let's talk about these six habits to, you know, the relationship with yourself and then finding happiness, you know. So let's see if we can't go through them pretty quickly and get through all six of them. So let's talk about kindness. Tell us about your thoughts behind kindness. Is it kindness for me? Is it kindness to other people? Is it reflecting back on me? Be kind to people so they'll be kind to me. What is kindness? Kindness is how we treat ourselves. Okay. Very simple. I mean, you know, kindness is usually associated with, you know, how we treat others. No, it's how we treat ourselves. It's so simple. I'm going to break it down for you. When you think of two people that are very important to you when you are five, right? Mm-hmm. The one that's good, important, and bad, important both live in your head. Yeah. Kindness is the nurturing parent, the mommy, the daddy, that someone that says to you, that little voice that's like, I believe in you. Gosh, you're so smart, right? They treat you with kindness. Then on the other side of it is that little jerk on the playground that keeps pushing you down, be like, you're stupid. I don't like you. You can't do anything. Right. I'm using the example of the five year old because it is so important. Like, we don't think that we are not kind to ourselves. We're like, no, I treat myself fine. Mm. No, you don't. No, you don't. And we have unfortunately become masters at treating ourselves like absolute garbage. And we've got that bully running around in our heads being like, you're not going to make that sale. Yeah. Who do you think you are to ask for that price tag? Don't you dare lower your price right now. 
Yeah. You know, you don't get to say no to this. Absolutely not. You have right. to say yes or they won't like you. Yeah. This Let is important that we really master kindness. Yeah. Speed this up so much. Yeah. So, so I have two questions about that. So what's a trigger that we could, you know, as, cause that, well, here's the other part of it. I always feel like that person running around, but I do want clarification in this, that person running around in your head is your seven to nine year old, because we know that's when the tattoo of who you are going to be is created, right? So that person is the one who's saying it. And that's why it's so childish because it's right. your stupid, and, right? And, right. And that's why the, the thoughts are so, so mundane, <laughs> you know, and they're, uh, they're elementary. But yeah. I wonder if new thoughts come in because of experiences you've had throughout your life, new thoughts come in that are older self-talk, but they're still childish in nature. So that's the question. But the second part of that is how do you kick that out of your headspace? So yeah, I mean, we get new thoughts, but they're essentially, if you strip away the new vernacular and fancy terms, like you're going to suck in the boardroom today. No nine-year-old is going to say that to you. They're just going to be like, you're going to suck today. Still it and take the yeah. adult you know, like paint Don't off of it, it's, out. it's yeah. still the inner child just like being afraid and trying to yeah. protect you from pain. You know, they're afraid of failure and you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. And then I'm struggling to remember the second part of your question. Yeah, so how sorry. do we kick, how do we stop that? What is a trigger? So, you know, if that child is talking to me, you know, how do I recognize it more frequently to change that vernacular to create the habit of kindness to myself? So it begins with awareness. All of these habits are, mm -hmm. are going to have the same answer. So right. it's literally, you have to know you're doing it. So you were reading the book. I don't know if you noticed all 15 invitations to go online and download all the free workbooks that go with it. But in the workbooks, it's an inventory of how you speak to yourself, how you perceive the world, how you allow toxicity into your life, et cetera, et cetera. It all begins with awareness. You can't fix anything if you're not aware of it. Yeah. You know? I think yeah, it's AA. Alcoholism. Like, you know, first up, you have to admit you have a problem. Yep. Alcoholism. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like you have to like, you have to see it. And we talked about this probably like 10 minutes ago. Like the epiphany, that, that impetus to change has to come from seeing the writing on the wall and being like, damn. And having this moment with yourself of reckoning. From there, you need to attune yourself to really hear it all the time and then lovingly redirect yourself. Be like, ah, 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 ah. no, we're not going to talk to ourselves that way. Nope, 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 nope. We, we love ourselves. Some of it is telling the truth in advance, but like the thing about habit, right? It's an automatic behavior. Like you said, like two minutes ago, like we need to love ourselves. Yeah. Easier said than done. It's right. not a decision. It is right. a thing that right. happens through repetition and sucking at it in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And so, okay, so we've talked about acceptance just a little bit, which is the second habit. So I'm going to go past that unless there's anything you want to talk about there. No, I think we covered it. Okay. So let's go to gratitude. You know, this is interesting because this is a buzzword that's out there in the world now is, you know, write three gratitudes, journal gratitudes, find the happiness, you know, that is around, go on a gratitude mm -hmm. walk every day. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, if someone calls it the G word instead of the G spot, right? It's like the G word, oh, <laughs> gratitude. Yeah. They have a book, so a book like it. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's a whole life of gratitude. So I've really worked on that being grateful throughout the entire day when something happens good to me instead of just moving past it and not recognize it, just stopping for a second and saying, good. thank you to God for me. You know, it's like, thank you so much for that. And just remembering that gratitude and breathing outside and taking an extra second to 
take in Mother Earth, right? And walk on my grass with my bare feet. I love doing that. And I'm already planted here, so it's not a problem. But when I travel, I do that too. But all of that gratitude, how do we get more gratitude in our lives? Because I think there's so much negativity in the news and everything else. And it's like, how can you be great? And, and I'm being facetious in this. I'm a grateful person. But how can you be grateful for anything when all this stuff is going on? I mean, honestly, I'm glad you're being facetious about it because that's how people actually feel. Like, well, the world mm-hmm. is on fire. Screw this. I'll see you in 2021. Like, yeah. who's feeling <laughs> grateful? Yeah. Meanwhile, I think the best way to look at this, and you know, we all have different levels of mastery already within each of the six mm-hmm. habits. It sounds like you're already doing a great job with gratitude because you're doing more than just writing down 10 things at night that went right for you. Like yeah, yeah. you're stopping throughout the day. And like the truth about gratitude is it's like the lens through which you view your life, including yeah. your problems. Mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, this COVID business, the political muckery, whatever, it, it's precisely 0% fun. It's, right. it's just crappy. But it doesn't mean that there's not blessings within it and good things that are emerging as a byproduct. Absolutely. The, the trick with gratitude, at least the way I like to explain this to people, is, you know, oh, I'm grateful. Are you? <laughs> Again, you know, just ask yourself, do the inventory. Are you grateful for your problems and the lessons they give you? Are you grateful for the world being on fire and it's how, it's, how it's changing people for the better? Like, can you look at a problem and actually pull yourself out of a, an emotional tailspin because you have a different perspective? I find that most people that have a generally dismal point of view in life and that don't make things happen feel like life sucks, poo-hoo, you know, I'm a victim, yada, yada. And it's so easy to feel that way with how toxic everything can be around us. But if we actually like, start living this gratitude lifestyle and just viewing everything through the lens of appreciation, yeah. even the sucky stuff, even the stuff we take for granted, changes us. We actually become better, kinder, sweeter, more thoughtful people that others just enjoy the hell out of. Yeah. And that's attractive, right? That's a, an attraction mechanism or a magnet to your success, you know, because people then want to have that magnet. Yeah. And I, you know, we were talking in the green room, you know, about this is just, you know, the, what my father or what my uncle called, you know, called me and, you know, and told me I was going to be worth nothing and all that good stuff. But I even said, but it's a blessing because it made me who I am today. Even with my back last week going out, you know, going out in two places, <laughs> throwing my back out in two places. And, and I definitely had a down moment. But the backside of that was the gratitude of knowing that I'm not going to go someplace. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to divert that money into getting something else done that I want to get done in my business. Right. So I'm thankful for that because it slowed me down enough to say, this is where I should be spending my money right now in my practice. Exactly. But listen, I got to tell you with me, and I'm going to give this advice to everybody who's listening. When I first started for gratitude, I'm an author, but I'm not great at journaling. I'm not great at just writing forever. I can't read my handwriting, but I'm great at <laughs> dictating. I'm great at just dictating my thoughts. So one of the, you know, I had, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm working too many hours. There's no way I can do any of that. So I gamify everything I possibly can. Like to, even today in COVID, I, I can't have, I tell myself, <laughs> I can't have my cup of tea in the morning until I do 15 push-ups on the counter because I have bad shoulders. I can't do them on the floor. So I do 15 push-ups on the counter, right? So I have this little game that I play with myself. And so the way I started with gratitude was when I got home at night, because it's that, that's that transition, right? You've got your, your day and you're like, all day long. And then you get home, you get out of the car and you can't wait to get in the house because you just want to get away from work. But then you can't 
you can't stand the thought, oh my gosh, my dog wants me, my, da- my husband, my kids want me, I have to cook, I have to, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. And so there's no transition. There's just no transition. And so I started by just keeping a journal in my car. And when I got into my garage, that's when I took out my journal, wrote down three gratitudes in a bullet. I'm grateful for the sky. I'm grateful for the weather. I'm grateful that I'm sitting, that I have a car. I mean, it was the stupidest stuff, but it was a place to start. It is. And then it became more more profound for me. Yeah. Well, like I said before, just be okay with not being awesome at it in the beginning. Just start. Like, (laughs) you know, I have mastered the fine art of talking to myself like a crazy person while I'm driving. And I'm fine with that. At least everyone next to you thinks you're singing as you're talking. I mean, if I bounce my head a little bit while I'm (laughs) talking about stuff, people think I'm slightly less crazy and whatever. But like, I remember actually at the beginning of this whole COVID crap, they were locking down um, the beaches and you couldn't go to the beach. And like, I have political thoughts about this that I'll keep to myself. But I remember being afraid of walking on a beach and not walking fast enough because I didn't want to get a $5,000 citation. And I remember being afraid of that. And I was so upset. I was starting to hyperventilate. By the way, the six habits do not mean that you're never going to be unhappy again. You just pull yourself (laughs) out of the unhappy a hell of a lot faster. I immediately, I was like, babe, I need a gratitude bonanza. Speaking to my husband, I was like, come on, let's do this. And I just started like spitting off like everything I could possibly think of that I had to be grateful for. I probably went through like 50, 55 things. He listed off a whole bunch. And at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, it's like an elephant got its foot off my chest. Also, I'm still afraid of getting arrested, but (laughs) I feel okay if it happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's like that drunk monkey. You know, it's like, get off me, drunk monkey. Get off me, drunk monkey. Yeah. Yeah. I I get it. Yeah. No. So gratitude is really big. So, you know, if you're listening in here, this is really, really important information about gratitude just to start with everything and start with baby steps. I mean, there's nothing that we, you can't go in and become a dancer without taking baby steps. It's just, yeah, it's a path. And I think a lot of us forget about a path, a roadmap to get us to places. We just want it. Just want it. And you know, I mean, I'm sure it goes without saying like, you know, for those listening that have not read the book, I mean, we're really just doing like a super like surface level skim on this. Yeah. Within the book itself, if that's something you want to read, it's loaded with actual practical action steps to figure out where you are, do something about it, acquire the habits, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's the whole thing. I mean, awareness boy, it's nice. It's just an invitation. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love that. It's a, yeah, it's just an opportunity to look at. So when we move on to, and um, we're going to have a little bit of a long uh, podcast here, which is fine, but we, so come back, hey. you know, stop us and come back, come back and listen and follow up with us more. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about presence. Presence is a big thing for me. I mean, I'm looking at this list and there's a quite a few, th- you know, there's quite a few things that I have stories behind, but Presence is a big one for me. I had to learn that a really hard way. So tell us about your thoughts on presence. Well, as the proud owner of a hefty case of ADHD, presence (laughs) is not exactly my default. (laughs) Ooh, shiny thing. It's really hard to be checked out, especially with like scary headlines and people just so angry with each other. You're so worried and afraid of what's going to happen or you know, you're like, oh my God, I wish things used to, be, you know, are the way that they used to be and blah, blah, blah. And it's so easy to get like stuck in the past or the future. And the thing about presence, it obviously takes practice like everything else. But like for me, I've mastered the habit and the result for me has become, 
I hear the news and I'm like, wow, that really sucks. Okay. Thinking about the things that have happened to my companies and you know all this stuff. And it's just like, I feel it. And I'm like, okay, wow. And I'm not going to live there. And I constantly remind myself and feel free to steal this, you guys. Those moments might suck, but this one's pretty awesome. Healthy. I have wonderful love around me. I've got blessings coming out of my nose. And I don't know what tomorrow brings. And it technically doesn't even exist. This matter, this moment is yeah. awesome and I'm going to enjoy it. I've become a ninja at like leaving my phone at home. You know what? Here's a tiny story for you. You'll appreciate this. So I live in Hawaii, right? I remember living here for a month and that's how fast I like transformed myself because in the beginning, I was on the beach taking pictures of the sunset. A month right. later, I was watching the tourists take pictures and I sat there in full deep appreciation looking at right. the tourists with sadness because they were behind their phones trying to capture the perfect thing versus just sitting there in blissful appreciation and mm. being fully present with it. As a result, you know, the tourists, they didn't enjoy the moment. They actually missed the moment, you know, trying to capture right. and preserve it. And then it went down. Yeah. And then it went down and then they walked away. They go, Oh, it's over. And now they walked away. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, I'm the person I'll stay on the beach until like I can barely find my way back to my car Mm -hmm. because there's so much more there. The moments of stillness, the moments of peace, just listening to the waves and you know, God, with the world being on fire, like we need to be present because there are a lot of things that are going right. A lot. And if we don't actually choose to opt into the things that are going well or Sometimes even choosing the stuff that really sucks, right? If we choose that, we can think about it more carefully, solutionize it better. You know, if we don't opt into these moments, we're missing them. We're missing the beauty and the mundane. Like my husband and I were driving down the road one day and like the hill was like covered in grass and we we didn't have the music on. We were just like not really talking anything, you know? Yeah. And I just, we both appreciated the ride, how beautiful the hillside was and just watching like, these waves of wind teasing the grass around. And if we weren't present, if we were like listening to some music or this or that, like we would have missed it. Yeah. But that was such a mundane, ordinary moment, but it was stunning. Yeah. It's, it, it always reminds me sort of of a pendulum, you know, a pendulum swings, but you know, it's like the future, the past, the future, the past. And if you could just let it stop and it never just stops, right. It kind of oozes in there like a hammock. It's, it's just settling. And it takes a little longer for it to actually stop. And for me, that's what presence is. It's not a thing instantly. I'm present. It is yeah, no. sitting in it, sitting yeah, in the presence. Just being with whatever it is. Or yeah. perhaps like I was saying, yeah, like I was saying about in the morning with my cup of tea, you know, I, I don't think I told you, but yeah, my, sitting out on my porch with my cup of tea and, I, and I'm listening to the birds starting to chirp and wake up and then some crow in the background that might hear a cow mooing or something. And then a big hawk comes across and Maybe a hoot owl hasn't figured out it's morning yet. So he's still hooting. And, you know, it's just really cool to listen to all the stuff that's going on because we don't have any cars or anything. So there's none of that that's going to do it. But it's not just, oh, listen to that bird. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. But I got to go. It's sitting in that moment. So I love that about presence. So tell us about goodness. Sure. Think of this one as simple math. Good energy in, bad energy out. And I'm looking at you, news and social media. You are toxic and you got to go. Please keep this in mind. If it's free, you're the product. And you get the news for free and you get social media for free. Your attention and your well-being is being bought and sold. Are you okay with that? I'm not. 
So yeah, for that that's reason, a, you know, Russell Brunson said that recently as, you know, is you can be a consumer in social media or you can be a producer in social media. And so there, therein lies that thing that you were just talking about, right? <laughs> and the producer part of it isn't all just sell, sell, sell. The producer part of it is give, give, give. Yeah. And, you know, given how absolutely acidic everything seems to be with just the political landscape and the fears that are, you know, around like mm-hmm. either government overreach or civil liberties or the disease itself or financial ramifications or whatever it is that a person is afraid of, there's fear present in every human right now. And when you're giving into that stuff, you, you can't possibly be happy. You just, you can't no. because like there's been studies that shown that it actually erodes your well-being. Meanwhile, all these people are investing like crazy and finding ways to make it even more effective at destroying your joy. So you have to like realize if it's free, you're the product and yeah, they don't care about your well-being. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to tell my husband that because he calls the news crack. He's like, I'm going to go watch some crack tonight. And I go, see, there's the problem right there. You it is crack. Me. I've never seen a crack addict have a really healthy outlook on life. Right. So <laughs> you might want to point that out. <laughs> I know. It drives me crazy. Okay. So the last one is intention. And this is really a fun one for me because you know, my entire practice is talking about working on purpose so that you can go play with passion. And part of that purpose is having that intention and focus. So yeah. how is that going to make us happy? And how did you stumble upon intention as being something? Because that's almost like presence, right? Intentionally being present. And I'm I'm thinking back to you running this big mega, you know, corporation and saying, well, I have intention everywhere. And I know you didn't have it at the time. These are things you discovered later, right? Or that maybe you had, but you weren't aware of. So how does intention fit into happiness? Well, intention is being really clear on what you want, why you want it, what you're going to do about it. That's it. And then taking you know, action toward it, even when you're scared, because the fear will always be there. People are like, oh, you're so fearless. No, I'm a gigantic cowering blob. I just choose to take action while I quiver. Like, that's it. And, And sometimes my action of moving my business forward, if I'm having a really bad ADD day, is just as simple as asking for help. Or I just need to go to the post office and put this one thing in the mail and that's it. Other times it's literally changed the world inside of five hours because that's how ADHD brains work. Intention is, it's the vehicle that's going to get you where you want to go. Because you know if you don't know what you want, you're not going to get it. If you don't know why you want it, you're not going to do the work to make it happen and discover how you're going to get there. Or, you know, like... When, you know, so the habit of intention is constantly looking at what we want and bringing it into fruition, no matter how slow. And this is a really important thing that I want to actually clarify for anybody listening. Like, if you take 20 years to build the life of your dreams, but it fully felt good to you and it was on your timeline and it honored your spirit and your needs, that's okay. And if it took you five days to do it, that's okay too. There is no expediency required with intention. It's simply being in the habit of being clear and doing something with that clarity. That's that's literally it. You know, and presence, by contrast, is being in the moment despite the future and despite the past. They work really well together. All the habits really work in concert together. So one thing you asked me is how I actually discovered all of, you know, all of these habits. So at the beginning of this journey. Right, I myself felt emotionally on fire. I was the unhappiest I'd ever been in my life, and yet 
theoretically I had every reason not to be. Starting the research, asking the questions, blah, blah, blah. But the big thing that really like surprised me, once I started doing data collection, I'm asking, okay, this person's happy because, this person's happy because, and you know, the retreats say this, the books say this, and it was data collection. It was noticing patterns. Yeah. Because the world has a wealth of wisdom already. There's so many wonderful books out there and I don't discredit them, but a lot of the things are like missing from these, right? The six habits puts it all together because people that like, for example, you know, they, they visualize and they really work on vision boards. What do you think that is? That's intention. Like right. a lot of the specifics that are out there actually fall in these six main buckets. Yeah. And I would love to teach you how to build a vision board, but that's not the point. If you build the mental muscle and actually build yourself the habit of always being clear and moving forward or always being kind to yourself, little doodad specificities, they Mm kind of don't matter. And you can pick and choose from a huge menu of stuff. Yeah, no, I like that. I absolutely love that. It's been absolutely wonderful talking with you, Laura. And, you know, I think that all of these things are, they're just so exciting to hear about. And, and I like getting clarity myself. You know, I always say it's going from cloudy to clarity. (laughs) <laughs> from cloudy to clarity. I like hearing all this too, because it gives me a, you know, extra nuggets. And this is one of the reasons I do podcasts is because I like to learn. I am such a life learner and I'm trying to improve you know, professionally and personally all the time. So I know the questions I have are the same questions other people who are listening are having as well. And, and I like being vulnerable and, and letting everybody know that I go through problems too. You know, Nobody who's on a podcast is perfect. And if they say they are, that's crazy. That's why we have the podcast to get ourselves better. (laughs) The value of all of these conversations is the raw humanity that comes from you, that comes from your guests. And just like, I think personally, just reassuring people, hey, nobody has it all together. We're all on a journey and it's okay. Here's what I've learned. Let me help pull you along. It's the whole lift as you climb concept. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's the best part is that the free gift you're going to give to everybody is your book, your ebook. And I'm so excited about that because, and it's pretty long, right? I remember, I remember making a comment to you about it too. I think it was like, how many pages was it? It was pretty long. But here's what I would recommend. Because what I started, and first of all, I'm a speed reader. So for me, it was easy to get through it. <laughs> it was really easy. But you know, I would go section by section and master it before you take the next section, before you take the next section. I would just say to do it that way because, you know, it's like the first of the year. If you're going to try to quit smoking and stop drinking and work out and show more love and da 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 da, you're not going to do any of them. So take your time to learn what she's teaching, reread it, re listen to it, and and then download the exercises and do the exercises and put them away and then go back to them the next day and say, oh, I forgot this. And why did I say that? And, you know, I think that that's part of being able to do this. I think we want, you know, always say this, we are speeding up to slow down instead of slowing down to speed up. So, you know, slow down a little bit so you can speed up and being able to create these habits much, much faster. So I want to thank you for that because that is such a great gift to give to everybody. And if someone wants to reach out to you, what is the best way for... I know we have all kinds of links and stuff so that people can follow you and be with you and, and go hang out with you. But what is the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to ha- continue this conversation? So the best way to do any sort of interaction with me is through thesixhabits.com. The six habits, T-A-G-S-I-X, not the number, habits.com. Right. If you go there, you can actually 
get the audiobook, which is not available anywhere else except from my website, an autographed copy of the physical book. I actually, I can't do eBooks because my brain will not compute. So <laughs> that's available. There's also a 90 day habit mastery program. So if you want to actually master these habits, you read the book and you're like, oh my God, this is everything I've been looking for. And you actually do the damn work that comes free with the book. The 90 day program will change your life. And yeah. that's where you can find out about it. You can follow and find my TED yeah. talk when it comes out. Yeah. And, and it's, it. you know, it's so funny too, because people are like, oh, 90 days it can take me 90 days to do this. Well, if you try to do it on your own, might take you 90 years. So, oh, amen, sister. <laughs> you decide. You job? Jesus, you that was the best marketing I could have ever had. <laughs> it's you so decide. true, though. But listen, you know what? Being the CEO of a marketing company, I want to leave everybody with a parting thought, right? There's yeah. a bit of science at work here. Marketers love to tell you what you want to hear. So yeah. you'll buy stuff. Marketers want to tell you, oh, it's 21 days to learn a habit or it's 30 days because these are things you think you can handle. Yeah. However, I don't BS people. If you actually want the results, you need science. Science says it's 66 days. And since you're a human, I'm a human, and you're probably just as stubborn as I am, if not more so, 90 days has bumpers on it. So you'll get successful no matter what and no right. matter how stubborn you are. Right. <laughs> no matter how, no matter how difficult it is. Convenient. Yeah, right, right. And you took out weekends so people could just fluff away on the weekends. And <laughs> right. hey, what it, it is what it is. I mean, I built this whole thing initially for me because. I am the most stubborn human alive, in my humble opinion, and I needed something that was fully Laura-proof so I could get that damn result no matter what, and I could still be human, stubborn, yeah. and me, and make excuses. I don't feel like doing this. And right, right. Thought I did. <laughs> Laura, it's so fun talking to you, and I know we're going to continue to talk for all kinds of other things. And you know, uh, for those of you that are listening to, you know, Laura, we've talked. I've already talked to Laura about coming and speaking at one of my workshops. My next one will be in February, so. You know, more information will be coming in on that as it comes about. But, you know, I really hope that she, you know, can come and speak at one of them. We're just crossing our fingers, you know, because I think you need to be live at one of my workshops, not virtual live at one of my workshops. And um, I have to wear pants? No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, wear a dress. Wear a dress. Oh, okay. You gotta have something on. Yeah, you have to have something on. All but right. no, I don't ever wear pants. Are you kidding me? Well, it's crazy. We're talking about this on virtual. I have pants on. It's okay. But, okay. you know, so we're going to get more and more of Laura as time goes on. And I, I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming and sharing this with me. I love how real you are and how authentic, how authentic you are. And hopefully you made some people laugh. They had some aha moments, some great breakthroughs so that they can take the next steps to find their happiness and chase their dreams like you've done for yourself as well. So thank you again so much for being with us today. I am honored to spend time with you and it's always a blast. I'm excited to do all kinds of great stuff with you. Thank you for having thank me. You. Of course, of course. So everybody, thank you again for listening in and please don't forget to give us a great rating and write a review. Let us know what you loved about this podcast. And if you ever have a topic that you want to discuss or if you know someone who has gone from success to significance or has experienced multiple glass ceiling breakthroughs in their lives, let me know. I'd love to bring them on the show and share their story as well. So thank you for taking time out of your day to spend it with us. We are eternally grateful. There's a little gratitude right there. So we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community 
where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets. Fireside Chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.